Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is my great pleasure to be here in what is now a little bit sunny, Sydney. It has been raining. I am here with Van and her mum. It's so good to see Van again. We are doing the Melbourne Sydney hop. It seems almost unthinkable, but you know, two and a half, three years ago, people did the Melbourne Sydney hop all the time. Now Van and I are doing the Melbourne Sydney hop in order to spend time with our unwell uh, mother, uh, Barb, who is in actually quite good spirits. When I saw Barb, I have to say, she looked less tired than I felt. <laughs> so that's great news. But the weekend wrap rests for no man, no woman, and no family, no matter how many state borders may separate them. So let's get into it. This weekend wrap, I want to talk about how Morrison is preparing for a federal election. We will talk about the new Omicron uh, variant as well, but I want to focus a little bit on the parliamentary sitting week that's just been and the parliamentary sitting week yet to come. Anne Rushton, who is the Morrison Minister for Families and Social Services, went on Insiders this morning and really wanted to make a big announcement about social media legislation. Really, what she's trying to do here is crack down on social media comments. And it comes on the back of uh, Peter Dutton winning his defamation lawsuit about comments made about him on social media. Here, it seems the Morrison government wants to be able to identify individuals and the comments they've made. Now, that's all well and good. And we appreciate that social media can be at times a very dark and terrible place. And if you don't believe me and all you've had is positive experiences on social media, well, I'm very, very pleased for you. But I'd encourage you to go and pick up Van's book, Q and On and On, to see what's going on underneath the surface. So on the surface of this announcement, it seems like a fairly straightforward thing. But let's be clear here. The government, the Morrison government, is prioritising its final two weeks in Parliament for 2021 and possibly its final two sitting weeks of Parliament before an election to talk about social media comments and legislation which, frankly, by the time it goes through the vested interests of the social media corporate giants and all the other stakeholders that have to be consulted will be significantly weaker than the rhetoric that's being put out. At the same time, we know, because the ABS tells us, that there are 200,000 Australians who want work but can't get into work because they don't have adequate supports to care for their family. So these are mainly women who are looking after children, family members with a disability, and elders in their family who cannot get the social services supports they need to participate in the workforce, even though they want to work. Anne Rushton is the minister who's responsible for social services. Her priority is social media comments, not helping these 200,000 people and their families with the services they need in order to participate in the workforce. And the reason why this is important, quite aside from the actual importance of the issues themselves is that it goes to a pattern of behaviour of the Morrison government. These final two sitting weeks 
are punctuated with missed opportunities, wrong priorities, and empty gesture politics. Let's take another example. They are introducing legislation to try and stop class action lawsuits. Class action lawsuits like the one that led to the banning of asbestos and compensation for the victims of asbestos. Class action lawsuits like the one that exposed the unlawfulness of robo-debt. This kind of justice is incredibly expensive and difficult for any one individual to bring forward. However, in a class action, multiple people can come together and take action against corporations and governments that have done the wrong thing. We've seen how the Morrison government does not like this form of justice, where people are able to take action collectively together. Remind you of something else they don't like that's collective? And of course, with robo-debt, the Morrison government continues to refuse the orders of the Senate to produce documentation around how that decision was made, how it was implemented, what the government did and didn't know about the lawfulness or unlawfulness of that program. The government is not only spending its time in Parliament fighting against transparency and accountability, it's fighting to ensure that ordinary working people are denied justice by banning class actions. Of course, the other thing that they despise around working people coming together collectively are unions. And we saw Scott Morrison try and drag the idea of unionism and the idea of civil disobedience against union activity Things like industrial action, strikes, pickets, stop works. Try and equate that to the awful comments made by George Christensen in support of anti-vaxxers and support of these neo-fascist movements. Of course, we've seen time and again unions standing up against unjust approaches to cracking down and stomping out the collective voice of working people. And it's so important to be part of your union to help keep governments accountable, to ensure that corrupt corporations are not able to simply rip off workers without any consequence, and that you as a worker get the job security and wages that you deserve. So remember to join your union. You can do it right now. You can do it at any time, day or night. You go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W for week on Wednesday, and you can join your union. It's a really simple and easy thing for you to do. It's a tax deduction, and it gives you the security of being part of a community of workers because if you got a job, if you want a job, then you're a worker and you need to be in a union because union workers are paid more, have better job security, and they have that support to take action on things like asbestos, silicosis, industrial manslaughter, wage theft, superannuation theft. There are so many reasons why being part of that community is important. But let's look at some of the other things the Morrison government has done this week and into next week. It's failed to implement the Aged Care Royal Commission recommendations. But not only has it failed to implement the recommendations, things like client-to-staff ratios, 
to help ensure there's a proper level of care, it's also spent $26 million, $26 million on consultants and labor hire to review and to uh, examine and to consider all the various implications. It's like an episode of Yes Minister. If you've ever seen that show from the BBC, it's worth having a look because what's come out very clearly is that the Morrison government will not will not implement the Aged Care Royal Commission recommendations before the next election. It simply will not happen. And in fact, they've introduced legislation that would indemnify aged care facilities. These are private providers, private corporations. It would indemnify them against prosecution. So it would stop prosecutions against them where they have used physical or medical restraints. Now, physical and medical restraints are used and overused in aged care facilities. We know this. The Aged Care Royal Commission pointed this out, that these are restraints that are often used against our elders because they are easier, because it requires less staff time, it requires less staff support. Now, sometimes they are the only option. They are the option of last resort. Of course, they can be an option of last resort. But their prevalence, how often they're used, and how badly they're used, often by people who are not properly trained to use them, has resulted in injuries, and in some cases, there has been reports of deaths as a result. The Morrison government's response to this is not to hold these corporations to account for this, but to indemnify them when they misuse these treatments. Of course, we've also seen the NDIS minister, Linda Reynolds, talk about getting people off the quote-unquote welfare of the NDIS, calling it an insurance scheme, not designed to have people on it for life. Now, there may be some people in the NDIS whose disability is temporary or can be managed to a point where they don't require such a high level of support and perhaps can get lower levels of support as their support puts in place systems around them. But what we also know is that for many people, disability is a lifelong part of who they are and there is no possibility of them not requiring at least some support throughout their life. The idea that a Morrison minister considers the NDIS to be some form of transitory welfare program when it's actually supposed to be a support program that assists people to live their best possible life goes and speaks volumes to the way they want to treat people with a disability and what they really think of the families of people with a disability as well. And Finally, the big one, of course, that got lots of media coverage was the bill to legalise bigotry, or as I like to call it, making it easier to sack people for who they are and who they love. The debate around this 
is absolutely toxic and it is a toxic bill. It is designed to create a culture war within Australia at a time when more Australians are in insecure work than ever before, when more Australians working multiple jobs than ever before, when employers have more power than they've ever had in the Australian labour market. There is no need to make it easier for employers to sack people and to simply do away do away with the protections that we have all agreed as a community we need to put in place and that is that you can't sack people for what they look like for who they love for what god they worship or for not worshiping a god at all there is nothing about this so-called religious anti-discrimination bill which is about protecting religion Christianity, the Catholic Church, huge landowners, massive amounts of wealth, even the smaller religions in Australia are well-resourced. These are not institutions that require the protection of the state against the evils of an individual who, in their own life, want to love someone who happens to be of the same gender as them, or who themselves is undergoing gender transition. These institutions do not require the protection of the state. There is nothing about religion, about God or any religion that requires the protection of the state in a civil society like Australia. Nobody is burning churches here. Nobody is defacing or vandalising schools that have a religious connection. What they do do is spray paint slurs against the LGBTIQA plus community. What we do still see is violent attacks against members of the LGBTIQ plus community. There is a complete misfocus by Morrison, and it's designed to create a culture war. It's designed to create a culture war. Because, of course, we've seen Morrison talk about how government must step back. Government must step back. All of the things I've just talked about, all of them are areas where government is stepping into the personal lives of people and doing so in a way that protects corporations, protecting corporations against prosecution in aged care, protecting corporations against class action lawsuits. It's protecting large institutions like churches. That's what the government is doing. So when they say step back, what they mean is cut off support, cut off access, cut off opportunity, because we've seen just this week on the ABC an Accenture report that looked at 250,000 people who were on JobSeeker, 250,000 people who were on JobSeeker, and what the doubling of JobSeeker during the pandemic initially meant in their lives. And it showed clearly that all the rhetoric, the anti-worker, anti-unemployed worker rhetoric around misuse of that money and squandering of that money and laziness and and a poor work ethic is all lies and nonsense. 
universally, those 250,000 people used that money to support themselves and their families by buying groceries, by paying bills, by paying down debt, by getting themselves in a better position to go into work. That's what they that's what they found. That's what happened. That's a reality. Government can lift people out of poverty. It can provide them the resources and provide them the support. When you do away with doll diaries, you actually give people more time and opportunity to go and look for work, to engage with the process of doing a job application. If you don't have to sit there and fill in needless, pointless, bureaucratic paperwork, this again from a government that says government should get out of people's lives, but apparently not if you're unemployed. Apparently not if, not if you need support. We saw JobKeeper, despite the incompetent way in which it was rolled out, actually did have some good. It had some good in keeping people connected to their employer. Could it have been rolled out better? Absolutely. Was there billions wasted on profitable corporations? Without a doubt. And of course, we know the Morrison government is incompetent. We know the Morrison government is lazy. We know Josh Frydenberg would rather listen to Harvey Norman than to Sally McManus. This is a reality. And because of that preference, because of those choices, JobKeeper was not as effective as it could have been, but it was still much more effective than doing nothing. Remember when they said they were going to do nothing and a million people were made unemployed overnight and there were queues down the road and around the corner to get to Centrelink? We know that government can connect people to their employer. We know that government can support employment and make that more secure rather than less secure. Morrison is choosing not to do that. We know that free childcare works. Free childcare in the early days of the pandemic, for those few months of the pandemic, lowered the cost of living. It actually put a handbrake on inflation. So while the government is now a little bit concerned about inflation and economists are talking about inflation, there is one very simple, very impactful thing the government could do to lower inflation and increase the opportunity for those 200,000 workers, mainly women, who want to get into the workforce but can't because of caring responsibilities, and that is make childcare free again. And when I say make it free, let's be clear, it's supported by our tax base. That's why I pay taxes. I'm more than happy to have some of my taxes going towards supporting people's childcare. It makes a better society. It means that our young children have a proper introduction to education and we all benefit from that. Even though I don't have kids, more than happy for my tax dollars to support fully funded childcare. These are just some of the ways in which the step back rhetoric doesn't match the reality that we've experienced over the last two years. When government steps in to the economic side of our lives, into regulating corporations, into making sure that companies do provide some form of job security by ensuring that those of us who need support and a safety net that works are actually supported rather than punished, we know that these things work. We know that government can do it. We've seen it. We've seen it for two years. Now Morrison wants to step away from all of that. At the same time, he wants to step into our private lives. He wants to make it easier to be sacked for who you are and who you love. 
He doesn't want to support people getting into employment who have caring responsibilities. He wants his Minister for Family Services focused on what people say on Twitter and how mean they are to his ministers. They had no interest in any of that, in any of that, when it was attacks directed at female journalists and women on the internet. They're only interested in it now because Peter Dutton was defamed on Twitter. He wants to make it harder for us to access justice. He's actually asking the government to step in over the courts to prevent working people accessing justice through class actions. And in the aged care sector, with our elders, with our most vulnerable and our most vulnerable members of our communities, most vulnerable members of our families, people who have made contributions across the entire course of their lives. He wants to step in to protect corporations who have done the wrong thing in their treatment of our elders. So this next week in Parliament, we're going to see more of this, more of this noise. And of course, last week, some of these things you might have missed. I actually had to really cut through a lot of garbage, a lot of noise, because Morrison is flooding the zone. He's flooding the public conversation. He's trying to make sure that people don't pick up, that what he's doing is stepping out of the way of corporations and stepping into the lives of individuals so that we can't get the justice and can't get the job security and the wages and the support that we need and that we deserve. Because government can do that. Government can do that. And he's choosing not to. Of course, the other big news that's come out in the last couple of days, and I'm going to touch on it briefly, but I'm sure we'll end up discussing it more in the days and weeks to come, is the Omicron variation of COVID. Now, there have been reported cases in the UK, Italy and Germany. Australia has now finally stopped flights from 13 Southern African nations. However, Interestingly, flights from to and from Korea and Japan are due to resume this week. Uh, and this has happened at the same time as Dan Tian, the Minister for Trade, flew to Switzerland for a meeting of the uh, World Trade Organization, uh, only to find out it had been cancelled because they had stopped flights from all parts of the world as a result of this. So... We know that other countries and other parts of the world, they're actually taking this much, much more seriously than the Morrison government. Of course, the Morrison government, after two years of pandemic, still does not have any purpose-built quarantine facilities finished. None. Zero. Zip. You know, you talk about priorities. There is not a single federal quarantine facility up and running outside of military uh, bases that have been repurposed, uh, as we know, in the Northern Territory. So it's hotel quarantine all over again here in Australia. We know there are some facilities being built. We hope they're finished quickly. Also, I want to say that while this new variant is obviously very scary and we all all, uh, have been through so much already, vaccination remains the key weapon that we have against COVID, whatever the variant. So please do get vaccinated. If you're due for a booster, as I am shortly, please do go and get it. I will be getting my booster. You know, everyone in my family uh, is vaccinated and getting boosters. 
Everyone should be doing it. I know 90 plus percent of Australians uh, are in that camp now. We're moving so rapidly towards full vaccination. This new variant does move much more rapidly, it appears, than Delta. It does seem more infectious. We don't know yet what the implications are around illness and hospitalization and fatalities. We will find out in the coming week, days, whatever it might be. But remember, wear your mask wash your hands, get vaccinated, do the things that we know how to do here in Australia. We have survived two years of pandemic. We have done so much better than so many other parts of the world because we have listened to the health advice. I know there are people protesting in the streets. We know that it's a scary time, but we know how to look after ourselves and each other. And on that note, I want to thank you all for listening. Don't forget to tune in to The Week on Wednesday, this Wednesday with me and Van Battam, Australia's best-selling author, Van Battam, QAnon and On, a short and shocking history of internet conspiracy cults. You can get it at hardygrant.com.au. You can order it there from all of the bookstores around Australia. Check it out. And remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.